Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap and wealth through Web3. Blockchain technology can be anything. That's what they're doing. They're here to support other women and they are supporting themselves in the process. You write your rules. That's what happens when the collective minority becomes the new majority. And we actually have a country, Iceland, who is at 90% parity. And guess what they have? 12 months maternity leave. Isn't that gorgeous? Women, do you want to wait 132 years to have a year maternity leave? I don't. Well, first, there's no such thing as perfection. Perfect people aren't real, real people aren't perfect. So that's the first thing you have to get out of your your head. The second is there's no such thing as balance. Take balance out of your vocabulary. You have one life with five dimensions, your work, your family, your community, your friends, and the fifth is yourself. I'm your host, Cams, and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you. Let's get it. Hi, it's your girl, Cams. Welcome to season two of the Women Who Web3 podcast. We are so grateful for the love and support you showed us in season one, and we're back in full force celebrating women and speaking to leaders and builders, bridging the gender gap and wealth through Web3. This season is packed with powerhouses, y'all. It's going to be a long ride. You have to bring your notebook, take notes, and I'm serious. You need to listen and pay attention. We're going to pack it with things, actionable insights, actionable things you can do to upgrade your life, upgrade what you're building and your companies, and making sure that you're paving the way for women along the way. I have today with me Michelle, our producer. She's normally in the background. She's the one who makes this podcast sound absolutely phenomenal. She's joining me today as we bring on Shelly Zalis. If you do not know Shelly Zayla, she actually does not need a bio, but I will tell you all about her. She is the CEO of The Female Quotient, an equality services company that creates platforms for women and solutions for organizations committed to closing the gender gap in the workplace. Through its signature Equality Lounge at key industry conferences around the globe like CES, Zaylis and the FQ, female quotient, are connectors for the largest global community of mission-driven business leaders. She also writes in Forbes and provides virtual mentorship for women in middle management and more. She is co-founder of Hashtag See Her, a movement led by the Association of National Advertisers to increase the accurate portrayal of women and girls in advertising and media. That is huge, guys. You don't understand. She is a pioneer for online research, becoming the first female chief executive ranked in the research industry's top 25. Today, she works with Fortune 500 companies, impact organizations, and conscious leaders to advance equality in the workplace. Now, this is huge. We're talking about achieving economic gender parity through Web3 technologies. It's so important because the World Economic Forum They actually conduct a comprehensive global gender gap report. That's the actual words if you want to look it up. Global gender gap report each year covering data from 140 countries. 
Just last year in 2022, they reported that the global gender gap had been closed by 68.1%. At this current rate of progress, they predict it will take 132 years to reach full gender parity. This means it will take 132 years to achieve equality for women across the globe in access to healthcare, political representation, wealth creation and accumulation, education, upskilling, mental well-being, and more. We cannot wait, and we cannot wait right now on this podcast. We're going to jump right in with Shelly and Michelle. I hope you enjoy this show and take some notes. Shelly, I'm a huge fan. I am a huge advocate for women who celebrate women and create the space for women to experiment, to learn, to grow, to exceed beyond their wildest dreams. And something I told Michelle, they were like, what do you want to get from Shelly? Like talking to Shelly on the podcast, because I could talk to you about so many things. And Michelle had brought up, well, we need to make things tangible for women. We need to make Web3 more tangible, wealth creation, tangible, job acquisition, tangible, manager positions, tangible. And I told her, I want someone listening to our podcast, like a JP Morgan or a traditional financial institution, anything of that nature, Web3 builders to listen and be like, I have to do this right now in order to allow my company to have the building blocks to invite more women leadership. I want people to be stoked to close the global gender gap. And I want them to understand how to be able to do this in whatever stage they're at, whether it's in little steps or gigantic steps, if they have the money and the power to do so. When I was listening to you talking, uh, I had read the research study you put together on the female quotient about the metaverse. 15% month over month women are joining the metaverse. But when you talk to them and you ask them what will actually keep you here, what will bring you here, what, what piques your curiosity, a lot of them were like, I just want somewhere to experiment and figure it out. And some of those spaces don't have the user experience. I'm a user experience researcher in my full-time career. They don't have the onboarding or the welcoming atmosphere, the know-how, the understanding to break down those technical barriers to help onboard women who might not be technical. Even the high-tech ones to get a wallet. There are so many barriers to entry in the Web3 space. And I think the Equality Lounge, especially in the Decentraland, can create this space where women can go and experiment, check it out, test it, make mistakes. I think that's one of the biggest things. They're scared to make a mistake. A lot of our speakers who we've talked to, they've come into Web3 stumbling into it, like trying to figure it out. Some of them had admitted, like, I was scared to make a wallet at first. Like you can make so many mistakes and, and there's not much room for error recovery when it comes to Web3. And me personally and my user experience research have seen this. Shelly, if you want, we can get into this, but I want to focus a lot on how we can achieve economic gender parity through Web3 technologies. That's like one of the biggest things we want to touch on today. And just getting to know you a lot more, the Equality Lounge, and you diving into Web3, especially with Unstoppable Domains, bringing domains. I think the investment was $60 million to really bring Web3 technologies to women. I really believe that Web3 technologies, when we use it in the right way, and we have the right women thought leaders bridging the gaps, we can take that 132 years to achieve equality for women. We can take that down to like, you know, maybe a couple decades. 
<laughs> well, gosh, because we're so unscripted. I, I love the rawness of this conversation. So I, you should I just you should, be a part of this, should, Michelle. Yeah, stay, stay with us. <laughs> okay, me. I'll we, stay. <laughs> I think we should keep this going. I, I, I like the rawness of this conversation. So anyone, you know, that is tuning in to the behind the scenes, you should keep this, you know, front and center as your podcast because I'm unscripted all the time. And I, I like the whole opening as, as the opening of what you just talked about because I think the most important part of Web3 is women always think they have to be perfect. Web3 mm -hmm. is in its infancy and men are also learning. Men don't know how to download a wallet either. Nobody does. Everyone is making mistakes. And that's the beauty is no one has a clue what they're doing. And so we're all in the beginning and that's what's making it all neutral. We're in neutral territory. We're all learning at the same time. So there's no expert right now. Everyone is in its infancy. I think that's why, you know, Web3 is so terrific. Men and women are all starting at the same moment. We have the opportunity, women especially, to get in now, get in early and write the rules of the road. This is why we are encouraging all of our women to experiment and to make the mistakes now so that by the time it is developed, we will be the experts. So the sooner we get in, the better off we're going to be. You know, there's never been a more important time to get in when it is in the beginning phases. We got into Web 2 too late. The guys were already there. And so the rules of the road were written by men. And so Web 3 is being written by all of us at the same time. We think that we are you know, making all the mistakes and we're afraid to do things. But I'm telling you that everyone is afraid and we're all making the mistakes. The beginning is yet to be developed. There's nothing. It's raw and it's ready and it's real. So go fasten your seatbelt and just get in because the best is yet to come. There's nothing really done yet. Yes, I love the best is yet to come. I just said that to someone the other day who was struggling, having a really difficult time trying to understand who they were, like what the very basic foundation of like, who am I? What am I going to bring to the table, the value that I have? There's been a huge focus and shift on like mental well-being in the Web3 space. And when talking to people who listen to the Women Who Web3 podcast, I hear a lot about burnout. I hear a lot about how do I generate wealth? How can I be profitable in the Web3 space? A lot of them women. A lot of them are still fearful because when they join Twitter spaces and they're listening, a lot of the men are still overpowering women and they're still talking and ranting and energized about terms and things that women still don't know <laughs> and still learning. I really want to understand with your experience with the Equality Lounge and everything you've done to drive equality. What can we expect from the Equality Lounge as it pertains to bridging the gaps in Web3 and helping women catch up? Mm. Well, listen, we don't have to catch up. We have to jump ahead. And yes. that's why I always say there's power in the pack. A woman alone has power. Collectively, we have impact. And the most important thing about the Equality Lounge is, you know, especially with the Equality Lounge, it's the collective minority. When you put us all together, it becomes the new majority when we support each other. And that is the most remarkable experience. When women support other women, we all shine. When we help each other rise, we all shine. When you're alone, you're invisible. And that's what historically I've experienced my whole life. I'm 60 years old. I never had women supporting me. 
there was such a scarcity of jobs at the top. We all dug, you know, our high heels in each other's head to push each other down because there was, there was no jobs. There was such a scarcity of jobs for women. There were so few women at the top. But today, if we all help each other, look at what happens. Men are very competitive, but women by nature, we're, we're supposed to be collaborative. So if we write the rules together, we could dominate. That's what's so amazing. That's what we have to do. When I started the Equality Lounge, you know, I called it the girls' lounge. And the girls' lounge, the opposite of boys' girl, the opposite of club's lounge. If there's a boys' club, now there's a girls' lounge. It was never done before. You know, I never had girlfriends in business. And now I have over a million women across a hundred countries all supporting one another. It is the most incredible feeling in the whole world to have women supporting other women. The dynamics of that is incredible. And we just came from CES. We had 350 women walking the floor. In an industry, a technology industry, when, when I first went to CES, I didn't want to go by myself. It's really lonely. Being an only and lonely is really not a good feeling. And so when I first went 10 years ago, I invited five girlfriends to go with me and walk the floor. And I said, and if you know other women, invite them. 24 hours later, 50 women showed up to walk the floor. Two remarkable things happened. The first, I coined the phrase power of the pack. A woman alone has power. Collectively, we have impact. It was great to see big screens, little screens, and all of that. But the best was seeing all these guys' faces looking at us saying, holy shit, where did all you women come from? It was this whoosh moment. Like they were staring at us like, where the hell did all of you women come from? You can't miss 50 women walking the floor. The second thing that happened was all of us women supporting each other, talking about imposter syndrome, talking about work-life balance, talking about things I never talked about before. And we all had power of the purse doing deals with one another. We were all successful women in business, supporting one another, buying technology from one another. It was amazing. And then the next day, each of us invited another girlfriend and 50 turned to 100, 100 turned to 300. Several years later, 300 turned to a million. It was a remarkable experience. And then once women started supporting other women and we were talking about how to close the gender gap, I then evolved Girls Lounge to Equality Lounge. And we went from mm -hmm. the place of the 17% to the place for conscious leaders. That's how we evolved. So you write your rules. That's what happens when the collective minority becomes the new majority. And that's yes. the same thing that could happen in Web3. Mm -hmm. Yes. Always followed the rules of the guys because they were the majority. But when women come together, you can write the rules. We write the rules in the girls' lounge because. We're the boss. When you let other people write the rules for you, you have to follow them. But when you're the majority in a space, it's your space. You write the rules. And now when the guys come into our space, they're coming in to follow our rules and our agenda, and they put the toilet seat down, and they keep the space clean, <laughs> and they're it's kind, true. and they're mm -hmm. coming into our agenda. Yes. And what's our agenda? It's about closing the gender gap. And it's mm -hmm. about writing the new rules that are all about equity. And they're all around closing the gender gap. And I talk, and you did your homework. I talk about the World Economic Forum saying it's going to take 132 years to close the gender gap. Mm -hmm. Why? That's ridiculous. Why should it take 132 years to pay women the same as men? Those rules were written by men. Why should it take 132 years to come up with caregiving solutions? Why should it take 132 years to put women in leadership roles? 
Why should mm-hmm. it take 132 years to have diversity in the workplace? Why should it take 132 years to have a sponsorship model that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Why should it take 132 years to upskill women? Like mm-hmm. why? It should take less than five years. It all it mm-hmm. takes is conscious leadership. Not complicated. It's true. Everything you're saying is just making me want to get up and do something right now. Just over the weekend, there was CES, right? And you were there. You had an equality lounge there, and you were talking about emotional intelligence. It's so crazy. Like such a an overlooked thing. So powerful. Just understanding someone else's situation or behavior, or endeavoring to understand someone else, is so huge in paving the way for women. I wanted to talk a little bit about a trend I found in the women leaders we've had on the Women Who Web Three podcast. Women who are succeeding in Web Three, the millionaires, people have had successful NFT collections sell out, who have had successful exits, who are investing in crypto. These women all have a couple things in common, and number one is they celebrate women, they support women generously, unapologetically support women. That's what they're doing. They're here to support other women, and they are supporting themselves in the process of marrying purpose and passion in profit. And then another thing was you touched on this a lot, Shelley, was collaboration over competition. Collaboration over competition took them such a long way. Bringing women up with you, working with women, building with women, opening the door for that woman. I heard this on your Equality Lounge. Chat. You said you focus on hiring for passion and then teach the skills later, unless they're a doctor or an accountant, <laughs> a dentist even. And then the last thing was really being unapologetically themselves and really not going by the rules, breaking the rules, and giving themselves permission to be who they wanted to be and to succeed and to do whatever the heck they felt was right. When they did that, they created massively successful companies. They created profitable companies. I love the quote that you say for female quotient. Like when you add female, I can't remember it exactly. If you add female into the equation, you get a return on equality. There we go. <laughs> wow, I love that. You're good. Oh, yeah. I love everything. Give me shivers when you add women to any equation. There's a return on equality, and it's it's really true. I mean, women are remarkable, and we follow our hearts. You know, a lot of people that follow their heads—that's textbook. But the magic is not in a textbook. It's not. It's not the little fine print. And it's really about purpose and passion. When you make—I always say—when purpose meets passion, you're unstoppable. It really is true. And that's because women—we have so much. We can multitask on steroids. And when you follow your heart, boom, 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 all the best decisions you make. Are not these because you rationalize these decisions. These are the ones that are the intuitive decisions. They're the ones that someone will tell you, "Oh, do this." These are the feeling ones. Those are the ones that you feel. And when you feel something, it's usually right or wrong. It's going to take you where you feel you need to go. Right when you do the things that you love. It's the things you're going to do best because you love it. When you love something, you're going to put your heart into it. When you do something because you're supposed to, it's routinized. You do it because you're told do this. But when you do something you want to do, you do it with your heart. That's who we are as, as humans. 
you're talking straight to my heart and my mind is just rationalizing everything we're, we're doing. Something that works a lot for me as a mom is hearing and seeing other moms doing it. When you talked about imposter syndrome, it's a very real thing. It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how happy you are. It comes in anywhere, just from left field, out of nowhere. Even on this podcast today, oh my gosh, am I the person to talk to Shelly today? You know, and I see other moms doing it. I see other people like me doing it with curly hair, with skin like mine, doing it. There is this quote that Michelle found, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to ask Shelly about it. You said, I knew I had to build a company that had work-life balance. It was the only way I could not be in trouble. I'm a mom and a wife. The rules did not work for me. In your experience, Shelly, what advice do you have to that mom who's just an maybe a mompreneur or an entrepreneur starting out who is juggling baby, is juggling a full-time job she might not like, that doesn't provide the flexibility for her and her family? What advice do you have for her that she can do today, right now, or in the next couple months to get to a space where she has the mental wellness, she, has the, she feels she has the flexibility to juggle and then do what she needs to do to take care of her family and herself? Hmm. Well, first, there's no such thing as perfection. Perfect people aren't real. Real people aren't perfect. So that's the first thing you have to get out of your, your head. The second is there's no such thing as balance. So take balance out of your vocabulary. You have one life with five dimensions, your work, your family, your community, your friends, and the fifth is yourself. We always forget about ourselves. So Mm. put yourself into that equation. And they're not equal slices of the pie. At every stage of your life, you need to weigh them all differently. So you might not be able to do all five of those things at the same time at every stage of your life. So I call it life stage accommodation. So if you're having young children, you might have to change the the pieces of the pie a little differently. You might not be able to put as much into the community. You might not be able to bake the pie. You might have to buy it and put it on the plate and make it look pretty sometimes. You know, I, I never used to bake the cookies. I'd buy them and put them on a plate. You might not be able to invest in the PTA. You can't do it all, all the time. So get rid of that guilt, you know, from your head. I used to exercise and see my girlfriends at the same time. So I combined them. We did a little less leg lifting and more chatting. And that was good enough. So good enough is acceptable. So you can't do five of those dimensions 20% equally. Mix and match depending on the stage of your life, right? The other is I have a no regret policy. I never want to look back and say shoulda, woulda, coulda. So always think forward and ask yourself the question, will I regret the decision? If the answer is yes, don't do it. And I can guarantee you, no one will ever forget that meeting you missed. But your family, your children will always remember that moment you were there with them. So don't miss the moments that matter. And remember that. My children will always remember the things that I was there for them for. And I remember my son, and I always told my kids that, Don't tell me you just missed me to miss me, but always tell me the things that you want me to be at, and I will never miss that moment. And my son, who's now 25, said to me, Mom, I have a really important hockey game in Czechoslovakia. Will you go with me? He was playing traveling hockey. And I said, of course, I'll be there. And that trip was 
the trip that I was actually selling my company. It was the week that I was selling my company to a French company and I had to be in Paris. And I said to him, I will be in Czechoslovakia. And so I went to his hockey trip and it was truly, I had to be in Paris. So I went to Czechoslovakia and his games were at night in Czechoslovakia. And during the day, I would commute to Paris. And by night, I was in the stands of his game. And I guarantee you, I was the loudest parent in the stands. And I slept in a little dormitory by day. I had all my little suits. I then hung in a little tiny room. I took a second dorm room. I had a fax machine. We had faxes at the time. And I was doing all my documents and all that. I still sold my company. I was at my kid's hockey game. He will never, ever forget that I was at his hockey game. I still sold my company. I still was at the game. I was exhausted, but I did not miss the moment that mattered. And so you can do it all your way, but I never missed a moment that mattered. And I missed plenty of meetings and I still sold my company and I was the CEO of a company. It doesn't matter. No regret policy. Most important thing that I can give any mom. And I have three kids, 25, 27, 30, a grandson, a daughter-in-law, and a son-in-law. And it's the best advice I can ever give a mom. You don't have to bake the cookies. You can buy them and put them on the plate. And don't let anyone else judge you. Thank you, Shelly. Oh, my goodness. It's hard not to cry listening to you. I'm a new mom and my baby, my, I just had my first baby. He's a first grandbaby. So he's just, Christmas was wild. Just, we have so many toys. He just turned 10 months yesterday. And congratulations. But just this morning, my baby was sleeping so preciously in my arms. And I, I was like, they do not need me at this meeting. I'm just going to hold him just a little bit longer. Because yep. he's not going to be this small that long. It's always going to be a moment. And there's always going to be precious moments. And there's always a way to incorporate. You know, it's interesting because even as my kids got older and I was traveling and I do it because I love it. I love working. My kids see that I work. And I always told my kids, I work because I love what I do. And I say, when you love what you do, it's called passion. When you don't, it's called stress. I always told that to my kids. I work because I love what I do. And I will always work. And my kids see that and my kids work. My daughter works, my sons work. And whenever I would go on trips... I would bring back something and teach them something about the places I would go. And so for my sons, they loved sports and I would buy them pennants from the cities that I would go to. And it became collection items. And I would hang them along the panels of the ceiling. So if if it was baseball or hockey or whatever, it would be the team's. And so they would always encourage me to travel because they wanted me to keep collecting from different cities. And so they say, mom, you have to go to Ohio because you're missing Ohio. Mom, you have to go. And I would talk about that. My daughter loved, I'd collect Beanie Babies when Beanie Babies, unfortunately, I took off the tags so those aren't worth anything. Mom, you have to get this. And so they became part of my journey, right? I incorporated my cities and trips and I always called them every morning and every night. And my clients became part of my journey. I never left out my kids. So my clients knew about my kids. They knew their names. They knew what they were all about. I never hid the fact that I had children. 
I always talk about my kids. I always ask my clients about the kids, whether they're a man or a woman. I always talk about it. And so I don't understand how we think that having children or family is a negative. I make it a positive. Perception is reality. I don't understand why people sneak out to go to their kids' basketball game or baseball games. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I agree. Like, it, Can I ask a question? I'm going to throw this in there, Kim. Do you find ahead, that culturally, because you're a world traveler, in our country, in the United States, versus European culture that you may find that maybe women in the United States put that stress or they try and separate because they think it's a bad thing? Yes. I mean, what, is your, what is your vision that? When I was... 25 years old, this is a 35 years ago, I used to stay at work until midnight. We didn't have computers and internet shopping and all that. I used to stay at work until midnight. Why? I did it because everyone else did it. I wasn't even doing anything. I was trying to be a goody two-shoes, like because the person in the cubicle next to me, and, the them, and nobody would leave to go to their kids' games or anything because you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to pictures of your kids because then it would be like you're distracted. and. Well, who made up that rule? Was that in the handbook? Well, I didn't read the handbook, but like everyone says you're not supposed to and you're going to get penalized or you're going to get fired. Well, who said that? Is that really in the employee handbook that you can't go to your kid's soccer game? Well, women are the primary caregiver. So if the woman goes, then you're distracted. But I don't see that in the handbook that I can't go to my kids. So I didn't have kids at the time, but I wasn't the boss. So I'm not supposed to go because you're not allowed to leave the office. But it's not in a handbook, I promise you. But because everyone else is staying late to get, you know, goody two-shoes marks, no one leaves. So the first one that leaves is going to get dinged. But I wasn't doing anything. So one day I left at five. Well, today everyone leaves at five. Well, no one was at the office anymore. I left at five. I didn't get fired. So I started leaving at five. And then once I started leaving at five, other people started leaving at five. So then people started leaving at five. So who said... You can't leave to go to your kid's soccer game or baseball game or whatever. So I guess it's a perception that becomes a reality and then that becomes the rule. And if a woman goes to their kid's soccer game, you're distracted. But if a man goes to their kid's soccer game, they're adorable. Mm -hmm. So these norms and these stereotypes get kicked in because the man never goes because they're not responsible for the child unless they're a primary caregiver. But it's usually the woman that does it. And so they get dinged and that sets a precedent of a stereotype. And that was then. For me, when I was at a young age, I thought that I was doing all the right things. At my first review, I thought I was going to be like a superstar and get promotions and raises. And I had a terrible review because I took too many clients to lunch. And I thought that's what you're supposed to do to have a relationship with a client, I got dinged and I got a terrible review and I got demoted and another woman got put ahead of me because she was like stayed until midnight and did all these things. And that's when I realized I'm going to start breaking all the rules and became chief troublemaker because I was happier that way. And at some point I left and started my own company to make my own rules because I'd rather be the boss than a troublemaker. And that's when I became a serial entrepreneur and wrote my own rules because they worked out much better for me. <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions. How did you get that title, Chief Troublemaker? But Michelle, what a beautiful question, because going back to that report, Shelley, where the World Economic Forum is talking about gender parity, I wanted to point out 
that they they found that across the world, gender parity across multiple mediums was like at 68%, something like that. I was like, oh my gosh. And we actually have a country, Iceland, who is at 90% parity. And guess what they have? 12 months maternity leave. Isn't that gorgeous? Women, do you want to wait 132 years to have a year maternity leave? I don't. I got four months maternity leave. And I, I came back at three months because I was just so excited about Web3. I wanted to go to a conference, bring my baby. I brought my baby. At Consensus, Michelle and... Uh, That's how she got this job. This, <laughs> baby on I, the hip, exactly. doing a podcast and a competition with her baby right wow. there. And she just rolled. And that's how she got picked. Well, you are fantastic. You are phenomenal. Oh, Shelly. To speak to that story, Michelle, right? Like, if I didn't have a company that supported me as a new mom and believed that I was worth investing in to send to a crypto conference to learn about my job, I wouldn't have had this opportunity at all. And this opportunity has afforded me so many more opportunities. And there's a lot going on. And we need more women. We need more women's minds. We need more diversity. We need more equality in order to make change happen. As you mentioned, we need to start writing the rules. We're right here in the beginning of Web3. We are positioned. We are poised. We are ready. We have the skills we need. We have everything we need to obtain gender parity in Web3 much sooner than everything that we're doing across the world, a political representation, things of that nature. But once we become part of that conversation for the future of money, Women, we have the power. We have the purchasing power already. We just need to recognize it. No, but you know, even in Web3, you know, women are going into the creative sides of Web3. Mm -hmm. We need them to go to the business sides. Yes. So just when you talk about money, that is a very important piece that I just want to reinforce. We need women to go into the business side of Web3, not just the creative sides as well. So, you know, very important. And when you talked about Iceland, you know, the amazing thing about Iceland and, and the Swedish parts of the world too, because those numbers is not just about the pay gap, which we know women make 80 cents on the dollar, black women, 64 cents on the dollar, Latino women, 53 cents on the dollar. So the gap is enormous all over the place. We also see, especially with care, a lot of different places in the world have maternity, paternity leave. So three months on average, and then they have paternity leave three months or some, you know, a lot longer with a year. But kids don't go to school until a year. So when there is one year of parental leave in general, that's amazing for equal opportunity in the workplace when there's a year off so that their childcare is wonderful because then the baby goes to school. But up until a year, it becomes a real issue, especially for women, because who's going to take care of the baby? And we know how much it costs to have um, child care at home. Oh, my expensive. gosh. Yeah. 2400 a month for a nanny for a month for me, what I paid. Right. So it's unaffordable. So, Shelly, when you talk about women in business taking over the business model, do you find it more mentorship? Because I know I have never been anywhere in life without another woman or someone else giving me that lift up. And then I turn around and lift someone else up. Do you find that there's more women who offer mentorship to really help? Such a good point. First of all, because we started with the whole concept of empathy and that women, and that's a feminine quality, and I didn't say female, but feminine, because plenty of men have the feminine too, 
is empathy and collaboration and passion and compassion and, you know, all of those warmth and all of those, you know, qualities. What's really interesting in the workplace today is women tend to be the ones that are mentoring as well and have that empathetic side to them. So regardless of whether they're in HR or in those roles, when they are managers, they are the ones that tend to take on the empathetic, caring, mentoring role. And that's a volunteer role. They don't get compensated. They don't get paid. They don't even get rewarded in any way. They're the caregiver, even in the workplace. And they're the ones during the pandemic that were spending the time taking care of their teams. And men don't tend to do that. Men do their job, they get paid, they go home, and that's that. And that's why we're losing so many senior women today with mental health issues, because they are taking on all these extra hours. It's the invisible work they do. Not only invisible work at home, but also the invisible work in the workplace. They were like taking care of their teams that no one even rewarded them for. Just something no one has pointed out. They were the ones, the CMOs, when they're women, they're the ones that are taking care of their teams and the teams expect them to take care of them, playing that that psychiatrist. And no one has ever said all these women were playing that role in the workplace during the pandemic, adding that extra burden or that extra responsibility, whatever you want to call it, because no one else does that. So the boss, if they're a woman, was taking on that responsibility. Back to mentor. So in general, women play the role of mentor and mentor the man and the woman in general. Men don't really take on that mentoring role. I mean, they play golf. They're kind of mentoring because they're pulling up whoever they play golf with by doing deals. So it's more the networking. And I always call it relationship for women because that is more mentoring when you develop a relationship. So it is pretty interesting. I also don't think that I don't believe in having a mentor because I don't think you should have one mentor. I don't think you get anything from one person. I believe in mentorship in the moment. It's not about top down or bottom up. It's about getting bits and bites of wisdom from lots of different people. Like I might be good at giving you advice about one thing, something I've been there, done that about, and you might get another great piece of wisdom from someone else who's done something different than me. And you might get something else from someone else. And that's why I think, you know, our lounges are so wonderful because you meet so many different people and get wisdom from so many different women that have been there, done that. Like, I'm really good at telling you about how to avoid carpool because I hated carpool. It didn't work for me because most of the women in my community are non-working moms. And so I hated the carpool because I'd be in carpool and then the mom would call me and I'm in Europe and they're saying, I need to change my day. I'm like, you can't change your day. I'm not in town. Like you have to stick to the calendar. We did the week in advance and you need to stick to the schedule because I'm not in town this week. You can't switch Thursday for Tuesday because I'm not here Thursday. I never did carpool. I used to hire the teachers from school because they were reliable and they needed the money And my kids trusted them and loved them. And then they could stay and do the homework. So that would be my best advice. So I'm a great person to talk about carpool. You could get great wisdom from me on carpool. You know, I'm great also at how to not bake cake because I can't get a, a cake out of a pan. So for anyone that wants 
how to do a great dessert without baking. I'm great at that. We all have great wisdom in different ways. I love that because I don't know why, but this is the biggest question I get when uh, people are like asking me, oh, what is it like to be a host on a podcast show? And I tell them, well, I try my best to ask the great questions. I try my best to understand these women and their stories. I want to tell their stories from a perspective that people can learn from them. And I want to share knowledge that are stories people haven't heard before. And I always ask them, what would you ask ex- this person that's coming on my show? And the number one question I always get is, how can I bring value? And I'm like, gosh, that's such a... I think about it too. I, I'm like, am I bringing value? Oh, yeah. I question this. And <laughs> you are a great podcast host. And I'll tell you the one thing that you are amazing at, like you have personalized this podcast because you are not asking generic questions about Web3. And that's why I said role, because it was so real, so raw. And you've done your homework, like you know me. And so you're asking me questions that people haven't asked me. And it's because you know who I am. Tell anyone else that wants to know you as a host to call me. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Shelly. I want to know what your tattoo means. Oh, wow. I have never been asked that. Thank you, Shelly. I've never been asked about my tattoo before, except for my tattoo artist. So my mom is from the Philippines. All my family is from the Philippines. And I care so much about culture and I embed it into my, my, my son's life too. The script here in my collarbone is called Babayin. It was used in the 16th and 17th century in the Philippines as a written alphabet and survived through centuries of colonization. And I loved it because it allows me to carry my culture with me and help celebrate resilience and staying true to yourself. Uh, it translates to ikaw ay pagibig, which means you are love, to remind myself and hopefully to project to others through energies that we are fully capable of endless love and acceptance for others. It's beautiful because you have light around you. Thank you. And that's what you bring. You should always know that. Thank you, Shelley. I wanted to say one more thing, Shelley. Uh, I... I love what you write on Forbes. I've read them many times before, but I recently read the last three just because, oh my gosh, I actually bought one of the books. I think it was How to Become Bulletproof. I read your article about the secret agent. She's amazing. Evie, she's amazing. My gosh. Wow. And then um, I'm blanking right now because I read it so fast, but I read the last couple articles and the women are all like on the same page with what we're talking about, supporting women, allowing them to to come into who they could be and straying away from perfectionism, like really renouncing this idea of I have to be perfect. It took a long time for me as a perfectionist, like my mom in the Philippines, always telling me, you have to do the best, you have to get straight A's, you have to this. And and ultimately I went to Harvard because it was the number one school in, in the world at the time that I went. Because my mom wanted me to be there. But because she wanted me to be there, I wasn't there for me. And I didn't make the most of it. Even though I was surrounded by the most top leaders, the top elite educators, I didn't make the most of it because it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm. Well, that's back uh, to your head. When you follow your head, mm -hmm. you'll never be your best. Yes. Because you rationalize. 
<laughs> but when you follow your heart, you're doing what you love. <laughs> I mean, when you love somebody, you'll do anything for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you're told to like somebody, you're never going to really embrace them because you're made to be with them. Right? <laughs> like when you're told you have to go out with this boy because your mom told you you have to, you're never going to really give them a chance because you didn't choose them. There's a woman, her name is Sung Ju Kim. She's the CEO of MCM. Her story is ridiculously remarkable. She was told she, she was in an arranged marriage and her parents told her that she was going to marry this boy. And so she decided that she was going to go to Harvard and then she was going to come back for her marriage. And so she went to Harvard and she married a guy off the street in Boston because she was not going to come home and marry this guy that she was supposed to marry. And she calls her parents. She's from a billionaire family. She calls her parents and said, sorry, I can't come back from my arranged marriage because I married some guy off the street. And so her parents disowned her. And she ended up building a billion-dollar empire, MCM. And she was on the cover of Forbes or Fortune or whatever. And she was in my lounge at the World Economic Forum. She kept coming to my lounge and I meet her and I said, I'm going to interview you. I didn't know who she was. And at the same time, I had the CEO of Forbes or Fortune or whatever. And I said, do you mind if I interview you at the same time? Have her sit down and I have Forbes or whatever, interview them at the same time. And she turns to the guy and she says, oh my God, you changed my life. Like you can't make this shit up. And she says, because of you, and you put me on the cover of Forbes, my parents rediscovered me and saw me on the cover. We reunited. She gives him a hug. Like, and that was that. Now she got back together with her family, reunited. She's one of my dearest friends today. And oh she comes goodness. to all my lounges and whatever. But when you just said Harvard, following her head, her heart told her to get married so she didn't get this arranged marriage. In my lounge, she reunites. Like The whole story was the craziest story. But- that's what happens when you follow your head and you don't follow your heart. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Cams, <laughs> if I could jump in with a question. I was just curious, Shelly, is there something that you do that's your own that you do for you that helps you elevate, be successful in everyday life? What's the one thing that you do for yourself? You're going to find this pretty crazy, but I always wake up at least an hour earlier than I need to. And I get my coffee and my coffee mug. And then I get my chocolate chip Danish because I love chocolate chip Danish. And then I get back into bed and I watch an hour of dumb television. Wow. That's, interesting. That's my time for me. I get rid of all my junk mail on my phone. I check my calendar so I know what my day is. And then I just watch television and I have my time and then I have chaos. So I, it's my calm before my chaos. <laughs> That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing. My second question, Shelly, would be, what does Web3 mean to you? I have no idea. I, you know, I really don't know. I know it's an and. It's definitely an and. It's a curiosity and it's something that we need to be in and it's scary. I have no idea what it is, but I'm there. And I know I have to bring women into it and uh, we go together. So, and everything we do in our equality lounges in real life, we also parallel in the metaverse. So 
it is an and, it won't be an or. Wow. Oh, wow. That was very honest. So I'm scared too. I have no idea <laughs> what we're doing. You know, and and I, I do know that we need to bring all of our women together. So we hold hands, we jump, and we go. You know, it's scary, but we're all in it together. So it's fun. We just make it happen. We educate us all at the same time. So we make mistakes together, but we also have fun together. Yes, we're in good company, Shelly. You're jumping in with us. (laughs) We jump. There's so many women who are listening to this podcast who probably want to color outside the lines with you. Where can women get involved? How can women support? Can you point us towards any social media, websites, anything that can help support women or help them get involved with what you're doing and creating? Yeah, so everything we do is open and welcoming for everyone. So the female quotient, we're on every channel. So Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. So you can follow Shelly's Alice or female quotient. Um, every lounge, uh, we are no badges. Um, so we are very inclusive. So we are at every major um, conference, no badge required. So join us anywhere, everywhere. And we love when you come in and we love when you reach out and invite all of your your friends men women we are truly very inclusive so please join us thank you so much shelly for being on the women who web free podcast now to enter our week's meditation we learned so much our minds are probably all over the place so this is just a quick meditation with the mindfulness exercise that i learned from jay shetty to help calm a busy mind. When a whirlwind of emotion is just swirling through your mind, you can't sit still. Let's start by settling into a comfortable position where you can relax, but you're still alert. You can allow the eyes to close or you can stare at something in front of you with a soft gaze. Take a nice, big, deep, gentle breath in through your nose. Breathe out through your mouth. Good. Two more just like that. Each breath allows the body to relax even deeper into stillness. Amazing, super busy people like yourself often runs into burning out or just feeling overwhelmed or trying to do a million things at once. So this mindfulness exercise is just something you can do to kick off when you're about to launch into work mode, productivity mode. Take your two hands in front of you. You can put them on your lap, just resting on your lap. The palms should be face up. As you inhale, I want you to touch your pointer finger to your thumb and you're going to breathe in and then you're going to slowly release the fingers and exhale out good we're going to repeat that again you inhale touch the thumb to the middle fingers exhale relax the fingers inhale touch the thumbs to the ring fingers Exhale, relax the fingers down again. 
Last one. Inhale, tap the pinky to the thumb. And exhale. You can do this little exercise anytime you need to pause, collect yourself, center, get it together before you need to launch into a, a meeting or dive into your calendar or your slacks or your emails. You can do that a couple more times. Just keep in mind to make sure the fingers aren't pressing together. They're just slightly tapping one another. Thumb to pointer, thumb to middle finger, thumb to ring, and thumb to pinky. Breathe in and out. And you're good to go. I hope you remember this exercise and to remember to breathe the next time you feel any sort of overwhelm or just need a second to catch your breath. Have a good week. I want to thank you all for listening to Women Who Web 3. You can find us on the Coindesk Podcast Network or anywhere you listen to the podcasts. Don't forget to leave us five stars. I'm your host, Kims. Thank you for learning and growing with us. Till next week, remember, always look to the sky above, the earth below, and the fire within. You've been listening to Women Who Web 3 with host Kamala Ancantera. This show has been produced and edited by Michelle Mousseau. Executive producer is Jared Schwartz. Our theme song is All Night Long by Lunera. Cams would love to hear from you. You can reach out to her at Cams, K-A-M-Z, at womenwhoweb3.com or podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, Women Who Web 3. Thanks for listening. Join Coindesk Consensus 2023, the most important conversation in crypto and Web3, happening April 26th to the 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event, bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer. Creators, builders, founders, brand leaders, entrepreneurs, and more. Use code WEB3WOMEN to get 15% off your pass. Visit consensus.coindesk.com or check the link in the show notes.